My name is Steve. Um, I'm here to talk to you this morning. Um, I've been at this church for quite a while now, maybe like nine years. I've got an amazing wife, Rachel, and little daughter, Elisa, um, who's two and a half now. Crazy, crazy. Um, but I was trying to think of a, a little story so you could get a bit of an insight into, into who I am for those that know me and those that don't. And this story popped into my head. It was when I was a little school child, aged five, and uh, there's my first year teacher that was stood there. My second year teacher was stood there. It was the end of the year. And my first year teacher was looking up to my second year teacher. And I was right behind them and said, that's Steve. He's not a bright lad, but he's got a nice voice. <laughs> and, you know, somehow I managed to take this, not as a slight on my mental abilities, but as a compliment on my voice, <laughs> which is, is quite, quite amazing. So this morning, if you don't agree with anything I say and you think it's all rubbish, at least I have a nice voice. <laughs> there we go. Um, I also I currently kind of help leading out, uh, leading our worship team, which is just an amazing privilege. I stepped into the mighty shoes of, of Mark Spicer not long ago. Well, a few years, actually. Time flies, eh? Um, but, you know, aren't they amazing? Just to let you know, guys, you are blessed as a church to have such an amazing group of people who just step out of their comfort zone for you and just lay themselves down for you. I mean, they're, they're first here on a Sunday morning setting up PA systems. They're here at the end, packing it all away, meeting up during the week. These guys are amazing. So, you know, give them a pat on the back and say thank you to some of them next time you see them, I'd say. Um, so... This is, this is my second time preaching at Hope Church. Come on. I, I got invited back, and I was thinking about, thinking about why that might have been, and I came to the conclusion that it was because of the high toilet humor content in my last talk. <laughs> Whenever anyone spoke to me after that, that talk I did last time, the one thing that they remembered was the fact that I pray while on the toilet. <laughs> um, Seriously, it's the only thing people seem to have remembered. But that's fantastic. So I think I've stumbled across some sort of a, an amazing learning tool here that if we want people to remember things, we just need to relate them to toilet humor in some way. So maybe I should write a book or do a TED talk on it or something. Um, but I'm just going to try and uh, squeeze as much out of this talk as possible. Talk number two. <laughs> um, I might not get invited back again. Um, anyway, enough of that. Um, I'm going to be talking to you this morning on the next in our series on um, the values of Hope Church, which we've, we've, been, we've been going through them as a church, and we've been looking at the value of presence, um, and then we've got honor, and then we've got legacy, um, and there's kind of like 10 sub-values that we've been working our way through, um, and this morning I get to, to talk on the next one in the subject of honor, or honor, as I, as I hear it in my head. Danny Silk is just sitting on my shoulder, speaking that word into my head in an American accent. Um, he's, I don't know if you've met Danny or seen him. He's actually invested quite a lot in our church in terms of the subject of honor. Um, he's got some amazing books like Culture of Honor and Keep Your Love On, books I'd recommend you go out there and read if you've not been around for a while. Because, um, you know, a few years ago we had a, a bit of a focus on honor. So if, you've, if you went around then, I'd recommend reading those books. Um, and last week, Jan McFarlane did an incredible job of the next series on honor, which was intimacy. Um, identity, not intimacy, but intimacy is important too, hey? Um, but how important is identity, hey? And I'd, if you've not heard that, go and listen to that too. I know I'm giving you, like, tons of homework and I've not even started yet, but it's, it's seriously good. So I'm going to be talking to you this morning on the next in the series, which is leadership 
interestingly enough. Um, which is pretty exciting, hey? But I feel like I need to pray, if that's all right with you, with you guys. Mm, yeah, Father, thank you for your presence here this morning. <laughs> God, we recognize that it is, it is all about you. Lord, everything we do <laughs> is about you. Worship is about you. Listening to talks is about you. Living our lives is about you, Father. Jesus, would you come and reveal yourself to us this morning as I, as I preach, <laughs> as I speak? Lord, would you come and just meet with hearts and minds, bring your transformation as only you know how. Ah, thank you, Father. Amen. So, my plan, my plan, I thought I'd look a bit at what leadership is and uh, why it would make it into the top 10 values of Hope Church. Because, you know, there's lots of things out there that could have made it into the top 10 and leadership made it. Why? Um, so, to start with, I did what anyone would do when, when preparing for a talk on a subject. I looked at the definition of the word leadership, went to uh, the old Oxford English Dictionary. You know, you'd expect that to be a pretty good definition, wouldn't you? you know, and I'm pretty sure the scholars at Oxford had been spending a lot of time on this one, um, stroking their beards, thinking about it, coming up with something really amazing. And what they came up with was that leadership is the act of leading. I thought, <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> And there was me thinking, Oxford University, one of the most revered establishments in the world, and this is the best you could do. Like, rule one of defining something, don't use the word. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, next on the list, I went to Google, as you do. Typed in definition of Google, definition of Google, definition of leadership, enter, and got 1.1 billion results. 1.1 billion. Once again, found myself something that would take me my entire lifetime to review. <laughs> Not very useful either. And 1.1 billion, seriously, that's like one in seven people on the earth have done a web page with definition of leadership on it. That's just nuts, isn't it? Um, so, also not helpful, Google, to be honest with you. So instead of Google or the Oxford English Dictionary, you're going to get my thoughts. <laughs> and uh, something on the, you know, what the Bible says about it as well. I'm going to spend some time looking at Jesus because I like Jesus. <laughs> so clearly there's lots of, lots of opinions on this subject. There's thousands of books out there on leadership. Um, you know, feel free to go and read a few, but I'm sure they all contradict each other. <laughs> um, our wonderful leaders who, who kind of put it at, in the top 10 values leadership, they came up with a wee definition that I'm just going to read out because it's pretty good. Um, leadership uses its gifts authority and influence to equip, empower, and release others. Isn't that pretty good, eh? Leadership uses its gifts, authority, and influence to equip, empower, and release others. Hope Church, one. University of Gla uh, Oxford, nil. That's what I say. Definitely a, definitely a win there. So, I mean, what is leadership? I mean, in the in the context of the church, you might think of like the elders. We set in elders in January. Um, I would like to suggest that leadership starts a lot closer to home than that. Um, the primary place that each of us gets to be a leader and the primary place that we have authority is in our own lives. Um, the, we're the one person that we definitely have authority over. And to be honest, it seems like we're, we're sometimes the hardest people to tell ourselves what to do. It seems like it's quite a, a rare gift nowadays for someone to be able to kind of know in their head what is a brilliant thing to do and then actually do it. Um, 
So I think, you know, I, some people don't like things like New Year's resolutions. I actually, I love them. I love just the, the time that you take at a certain time of year to, to think, you know. Uh, our lives are so busy. Um, I know my life can get so full and I just go through a whole week. I've not thought about what I was doing or why I was doing it. And I've just been reacting and firefighting to every situation that may arise. But how much better if we were to spend some time thinking and listening to God. Uh, God who knows us better than we do and has a purpose for each one of us. And, you know, what we've got, a, we've got a bit of an advantage over everyone else in the world because we have Holy Spirit living in us. There's that great verse that says that we, we're not given a, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You now, I used to think, yeah, power, love, yeah, but a sound mind, how good's that? I mean, that is actually quite an incredible thing that, that we no longer have to be like the old self. Paul talks about the old self always doing what it didn't want to do and the things I do want to do, I didn't do, and all that kind of like tongue-twisty stuff. Um, But we don't need to live like that. We get to tell ourselves what to do and then do it because we have Holy Spirit living within us. Um, My own spiritual growth is no one else's responsibility, but my own, like, if I'm not getting fed with stuff, it's my responsibility. If I'm not reading good things, if I'm not feeding my soul with what it needs and my spirit with what it needs, that's no one else's responsibility but mine. Um, and I think there's, there's something about the, the principle of being faithful in small things. Like Jesus talks about this, that you know, if you're blessed with little, he'll bless you with more. And as we're faithful with what God's put in each one of us, then he's free to, be, um, to bless us with more and more influence and more and more kind of responsibility uh, to those around us. There's um, a real foundation in hearing the voice of God for yourself in the small things and putting it into practice. And Jesus talks about um, this, the, the wise man, the wise and the foolish man, um, building their houses on the rock and on the sand. Now, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of this analogy because, or this parable because I'm a structural engineer. So, you know, it strikes a chord with me that there's some houses and that there's foundations. Um, he says that the wise man builds his house upon the rock, which is hearing the word of God and putting it into practice. Um, and how often do we think, you know, you, you hear of these people, high-profile people blowing their lives up just by making, like, silly, fundamental, bad choices. Um, how much better to have the foundation in place in our own quiet times, in our own lives, in our own families, um, so that when the wind comes and when the storm comes, the house doesn't fall down. And, you know, the foolish man, he built his house upon the sand, um, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with this parable in that, as a structural engineer, we do actually build buildings on sand fairly frequently, but only if it's a dense sand. <laughs> so if I could change the Bible in any way, I'd add the word loose, loose sand. <laughs> the foolish man built his house upon the loose sand. <laughs> um, but it is, you know, the word of God, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, as a structural engineer, you, sometimes you go to buildings and you see, you see them and, and, and they've got cracks appearing in them. And a building might look amazing, but if you build it on something that's not suitable, um, it might look amazing for a short while. You'll start to see cracks appearing, but when that storm comes, that thing's going to come crashing down and it's going to be a lot worse than if you'd just decided to start small and build a good foundation. <laughs> um, so... There you go. We get to start by leading ourselves. Let's do it. 
Um, and then another way, we all get to be leaders uh, with those around us, in our families, just in our friendship groups, you know, the people you're sitting next to. God's created us, each of us, to be different, to be individuals. Thank goodness, you might think. Don't have to be like anyone else, um, which is true. Um, and he speaks, uh, Paul speaks about this, kind of like uses the analogy of a body in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm just going to read a bit of this out for you. And he says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. <laughs> How good is that? Kind of amusing as well. I just think of a body that's just one big eye. It's like watching Monsters, Inc. or something like that. Um, I was thinking about this analogy, and it's really, really a good one. You can kind of see how your foot is quite reliant upon your leg to function. I mean, if you didn't have a leg, your foot would be pretty useless. Just sit there on the floor. You could maybe use it as a doorstop. Um, but that's about it. But then it's also reliant on your stomach because your stomach breaks down food makes it into smaller pieces so that your body can absorb it, use energy to power your legs so you can kick a football and score a goal. Um, so it's quite a powerful analogy. And each of us, each of us is so fundamental and important to the church. Now, um, obviously, there's, we have the appendix here, which is a little bit of a, a stickler in, the, in the, the equation, because what what does the appendix do? I googled it, and I, I didn't, didn't come up with an answer. <laughs> um, but I feel like this morning, um, God wants you to know, if you've come into this place feeling like an appendix, you are not an appendix. And if you are an appendix, then there's some incredibly amazing function that the appendix is carrying out that we're not quite aware of. <laughs> <laughs> so, be encouraged. Everybody here has an amazing function in the body of Christ. If each of us doesn't kind of act and live out of who he's made us to be, then we end up as a church, we end up as a body, walking with a limp or like walking into walls or stuff because we can't see properly. So each of you is super valuable. We're all equally valuable. We're all equally valued by God and the body needs every single one of us to be functioning. So, um, and, you know, also the body has things like a skeleton and, and skin. And I was kind of thinking, you know, what would leadership be in the body? I was thinking maybe, maybe skin because it kind of protects the body, holds all the organs in place. <laughs> like the skeleton gives a bit of structure or something. I don't know. Um, maybe the analogy. I need to stop there with it or something. <laughs> um, but so why do we place a high value on leadership at Hope? Primarily, if you take a step back, we're all just children of God um, with a desire to see his kingdom come on the earth, with a, a desire to be known um, and have an intimate relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And um, let's not sight, lose sight of who we are. We, we are the bride of Christ. 
He purchased us at an incredibly high price. So, I mean, what's, what's the point? Why do we value leadership? Because we want to see his glorious bride becoming more and more glorious, seeing hearts and lives transformed until heaven starts to look more like earth. Earth starts to look more like heaven. Sorry, guys. Not the other way around. <laughs> That's our vision, basically. It's, it's transformation. It's transformation of us. It's transformation of those around us. It's transformation of this city. It's transformation of the nation. Well, let's, let's not lose sight of why we're here and what the point is of this all. I mean, we create a lot of work for ourselves if there's no point beyond this, if there's no point beyond what we're doing right now. So leadership's just one of the many gifts that God's blessed us with to see the church thrive. Ephesians 4 sums it up pretty well. We've looked at this verse quite a bit. Um, Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So it's about us being built up, united in faith and in knowledge of God. It's about us becoming more and more that beautiful bride of Christ. I mean, let's not lose sight that we are the church. We are the church and we are the bride. We are that bride um, and we are his plan for the earth. I mean, it's, it's no little thing that we're doing as a group together. I mean, Look at you all, you're amazing. We're all so different, but God wants to use us. He's not coming back just for individuals. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for us. And not just Hope Church, but the church. <laughs> Come on, this is, this is a, a huge thing that we're a part of, a huge, beautiful, glorious thing. Um, and we want to see this thrive. Um, and I think it's good to just take a step back and ask, you know, what are we doing? Why am I here? What's going on? You know, those sort of midlife crisis questions that, that people ask themselves Wow, what am I doing? I'm, I'm 32 years old now. Um, I think that's kind of midlife. Um, I was thinking, <laughs> if you divide your life up into thirds, say, and you're gonna, if you say estimate, I'm going to live till 90, then 30 to 60, midlife. Maths, do the math. <laughs> um, so I've been asking these sorts of questions. What am I here for, you know? God, what have you got for me in this, this, this world? Why? Why am I here? And I think there's great questions to be asking. Not just, don't wait till your midlife, though. That would be my encouragement to you. And don't let it just end up with a sports car. <laughs> Let's ask these questions with Jesus. Let's be, be seeking him and letting him speak to us about what he's got for us and what he's made us for. And that's not just as, you know, middle-aged guys, but as a church. Let's constantly be seeking um, what he's got for us. Um, <laughs> also, you know, there seems to be a principle that's pretty fundamental throughout the Bible, which is God blesses people so they can be a blessing. We've been reading the, through the Old Testament, um, doing the Bible in a year as a church, and we've been following kind of the nation of Israel through their, their kind of crazy journey. But I all started with God speaking to Abraham um, and creating a covenant with him that he was going to bless him and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Um, and that wasn't just so that Abraham could have a huge family and think, yes, I am amazing, come on. It was so all the nations of the world would be blessed 
through him. And that's like, if you miss that verse out, then the whole rest of the Old Testament's a little bit like mental. <laughs> but the whole point is that God blesses to be a blessing. And that's no less a case today um, with each one of us, that he blesses us each individually with amazing gifts, um, not so that we can feel super yeah, amazing about ourselves, but so that we can bless and equip and build up the church. Um, some people run faster in certain things. You know, we heard about the, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. You know, we're not all amazing at every single one of these things to start with. And we don't all carry, you know, a massive anointing in these areas. But the point is that we have people that do. And they run fast into those things. And it's, it's not an excuse, you know, just because I'm, say, not, you know, an evangelist. I'm not saying we shouldn't all evangelize. The point is that we're to build up and equip the body of Christ. Like each one of these people who has amazing gifts is here to see the rest of us thrive and flourish in those things. So don't think it's a get out of jail free card. You still have to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> you don't have to, but I mean, I'd, I'd recommend it. Um, so we do, we really value leadership at Hope Church because we value the church, because we value the bride of Christ. Um, it's, it's also, it's, it's not something that someone's just come up to get, come, come up with to get a title or to make themselves feel, you know, really good about themselves, but it is actually biblical, which is a relief. Um, it talks about leadership being a gift and that leaders should lead with zeal. So I'd like to see you leaders leading with some zeal. <laughs> um, uh, if you're looking at you know, TV programs or the world out there to get your idea of what leadership looks like. You're probably going to be getting a little bit of a distorted view. I like watching TV programs like The Apprentice and stuff like that, and they're, they're full of people trying to be leaders in a group of, like, crazy people that are just going mental. That is not what we're going for. <laughs> um, if you enjoy those programs, enjoy them, but do not take them as uh, the, the be-all end-all with regards to leadership. <laughs> so, we have, we have leaders, we, have, we lead ourselves, um, we lead those around us, but we also have leaders set in place in the church. And these leaders carry an authority to kind of rule and realm, rule, rule in the spiritual realms and protect us and build us up. And that's kind of the whole point, really. Um, often there's words like authority and submission, and even the word leadership that come around this subject that kind of just make people wince. And I think it's probably because we've had bad experience of bad experiences of leaders in the past. Um, I think God wants to redeem these words. Um, like the word authority, I mean, it's not bad to have authority. Jesus, Jesus had authority. Um, I mean, if you read the New Testament, if you read the, the, <laughs> the Gospels, sometimes it's a little bit shocking because we spend a lot of time kind of like, yeah, God, love, 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 grace, mercy, love. But then you read the Gospel, Jesus is pretty direct He's pretty, you know, forthright in what he says. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to wrong him. <laughs> he definitely, uh, definitely carries a lot of authority. But obviously he came um, not, to, not to dominate over people, but to serve. So Matthew 20, verse 25 says, Jesus called to them and called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came 
not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this is the leadership we're going for. We're not going for apprentice-style leadership. We're going for uh, leadership that lays itself down. Here, Jesus is saying that kind of the Gentile leadership dominates over people. It kind of takes submission from you, like going in headlock and just pounding them to get the submission out of them. That's not what we're going for. Submission is something that you, you give because of trust <laughs> and because of love. Um, and like I said, he's not saying don't have authority. I mean, Jesus had authority, my goodness. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. People stood and were amazed at the words that he spoke. Um, like in the, in the Old Testament, only, only a humble and faithful leader was a, was a blessing. So it is today. I mean, we looked at lots of the kings in, in the Old Testament, and some of them are horrendous. I'm telling you, these guys were doing mental stuff. Um, but there were a few good ones, and the thing that set them apart was that they were faithful and they were humble, and they worshipped the one true God. If you happen to go around to Andy's house or someone's and see an Asherah pole in the back garden, um, I'd ask some questions, because that was definitely something they used to stumble on in the Old Testament times. <laughs> don't want to fall into any of that nowadays. Um, but we want to be humble and uh, faithful leaders who basically have our eyes fixed on the one true God, who have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Um, one of my favorite, favorite passages, I'm hitting you with quite a lot of passages, but I love the Bible, um, is in Philippians 2, and it's just like, it's just looking at Jesus. And it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And oh, I could just read that. I just love that passage. It's the gospel, basically, isn't it? That's, that's the gospel right there, that, that it's all about a God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It just blows my mind. The, the one who spoke the stars into space that came out of his mouth, the one who created the oceans, the one who created the mountains that we see, deciding to become a tiny little human in the Middle East, a speck in the universe, but not just a speck in the universe, but a tiny little a guy who became a servant, served others, even to the point of death on a cross. This is not replicating what the world sees as, as leadership. This is a new sort of leadership. This is, this is a bottom-up leadership. This is a servant-hearted leadership. And it's, it's all about Jesus. <laughs> I just loved, love looking at Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And there's a, there's a bit in that passage that, that I think was so easy to look over as well. It says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He knew who he was. It's not that we need to kind of think less of ourselves. It's not that we need to be a downer on ourselves or anything like that. He knew that he was the son of God and <laughs> that made his sacrifice all the more valuable. 
So we need to know who we are. That intimacy stuff Jan was talking about last week is fundamental to this whole thing. We need to know that God's, God has a value on us. And, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy lay, laying yourself down. And even, even Jesus, the Messiah, um, you see him in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, look, is there another way? I don't want to, I'd, I'd rather not, if there's another way, can this cup be taken from me? Um, but it says, for the joy set before him, that he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God for the joy set before him. What do you think that joy is? That joy is, is his bride. That joy is us. That joy is the church. If there's one thing I want you to take away this morning, it's, come on, I love, I love for his church. This is no small thing that we do. This is the bride of Christ. He's coming back for us. <laughs> his, his kids, his bride. This is how much he values us. That is that is quite a humongous price that he paid. We need to value the bride of Christ as much as he values the bride of Christ. Um, the whole kind of keeping it about God thing. You might think, you know, helping to lead the worship team, that's got to be real easy because worship is about God in the first place. <laughs> so, of course, you're going to keep it all about God. But the enemy can, can speak lies, you know. He can, he can make make it so that our identity is, is in these things, these positions, these titles that we like to come up with. Um, and that is totally not what it's about. Um, it's all, all about Jesus. We just need to remember when these lies come in, just to tell them where to go, to be honest. We have authority over our mind. We've been given a sound mind. We're able to cast these thoughts off and cast them aside. We're able to not do that comparison with others thing um, that is just so, so unhelpful. So, just, you know, let's thank Jesus that it's all about him. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, that it is, is all about you, God, that you came, that you showed us what it was like to be, <laughs> to be a servant, to be a leader, to lay yourselves down. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> so, Jesus' example, you know, it carries on. How did, how did he do leadership in the Bible? Um, he transformed the world. How did he do it? Clearly by laying himself down, by, by dying on a cross. But when he was, when he was around, he, uh, he also invested in people. It was, wasn't like he spent a lot of time building some huge organizational structure thing um, to go, yes. But he got a few disciples. He found some guys fishing and fixing nets, um, some regular Joes, and he brought them alongside himself and, you know, he brought them with him on the journey. Um, let's, let's, let's not lose discipleship, I think. It's such a, a good thing um, to have people around you that are speaking into your life and people who have authority around you who you can be with and, and learn from. Um, so a bit of a challenge, you know. Have a, have a think about who, who you're receiving from and who you're investing in in your life and in this church. Um, relationships, it's all about relationship. Um, let's get to know each other and do the discipleship thing. Well, and, and Jesus, you know, he didn't just pick the, the super talented guys, the, the uber muscly guys with the spears and stuff that you might have expected him to pick. He picked a few random guys who were fishermen. Um, I think there's, there's something that we can learn there about, you know, that God uses every single one of us, even when we're not equipped. Um, so I came up with this, oh, I came up with this thought of this little uh, story from my life where God's used me and I wasn't potentially very equipped, just to encourage you all. Um, so some of you know me and my wife, Rachel, um, when we got married, we actually had three weddings. 
you know, why not, hey? <laughs> um, so she's American, so there's a lot to do with visas and that sort of thing. Um, but the thing that it meant was that we could progressively improve our weddings, you know, learn from the mistakes of the one that went before. Uh, the one the thing that I thought about the first wedding that didn't go particularly well, you know, in my opinion, was the first dance. <laughs> so I've got this kind of, I'd call it a niche dancing style, maybe not to be appreciated by the masses. Um, and I thought I could blag it. Um, that combined with quite a long, beautiful dress that I managed to stand on the whole time we were trying to dance made it potentially not the most enjoyable for people to watch. Um, so, wedding number two, not going to do that again, guys. Not going to do that again. What did we decide to do? What anyone would do? Line dancing to funk music. <laughs> if you've not done it, you are missing out. It's a great, great time. Now, my wife's American. Obviously, she grew up at school. They used to do line dances and that sort of thing. So you would have thought that she'd be the most qualified to do, with it, do this. But, you know, she's not exactly one who loves to be the center of attention. So this was going to be my job on our second wedding day to lead everybody in a line dance to funk music. Now, was I the most qualified in that room to be doing that job? Most definitely not. <laughs> but did everyone have an amazing time? I believe they did. <laughs> I mean, it might be that yeah, a bit of Jamiroquai funk music on, everyone's going to have a good time. But there's just something in there about the fact that God uses those of us that aren't equipped <laughs> sometimes. I mean, Paul, Paul was the most equipped person in the Bible to go and preach to the Jews. He was sent to the Gentiles. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's not miss the leaders in our midst who don't necessarily look like we would expect. Um, you don't have to be a certain way. I mean, the, the Jews, they were expecting Jesus to be some mighty warrior who'd come and pound the, the Romans, and he came as a servant who laid himself down. Um, so, I mean, what better example than that? Uh, so, and also, top tip, was also a lot about being enthusiastic. In, in my book, <laughs> if you want to be a good leader, lead with zeal. <laughs> um, so, spiritual leadership authority. As I said, our leaders have spent quite a lot of time kind of putting this together and working out what it looks like, coming up with quite a nice definition. They've got quite a long description, um, which I'm just actually going to read out. I was going to try and rehash it, but I thought I'd just make a mess of it. And to be honest, it's really good. And it's not plagiarism if you quote your sources. So, <laughs> so they, they came up with this definition about spiritual leadership authority. And it is the empowerment given by God to his leaders, primarily for the creation of an environment where God's people are empowered and equipped. It's for the maintenance of healthy boundaries, so freedom can flourish and security is experienced. It provides protection to the environment from spiritual and moral threats, keeping the atmosphere wholesome and providing nutrients for growth for all. It recognizes the powerful nature of all believers, that's you, which means it seeks to honor and lift them up while believing that they are responsible for themselves. Fundamentally, it is for people. It is the enablement and authorization from heaven for leaders to enable others to be awesome. <laughs> so this is why it made it into the top 10, because we want everyone to be awesome, <laughs> in, in a word, to be honest. Um, so I thought I'd finish with just a few thoughts on uh, some helpful ways to respond to those 
who are in leadership can be, can be challenging at times. Um, the first thing that I thought of was we just need to be a, a, a body, a, a people who believe the best in others, who believe the best in our leaders. I mean, it's a tough gig being, being a leader, like being an elder or just even a leader of, of a certain aspect of church life because you have to lay yourself down. I mean, we've looked at what Jesus did. He, he gave his life up for us, for the body of Christ. And our leaders are doing that. They're sacrificing their time, their time with their families. Um, they could be doing a lot of other things rather than leading, but they choose to invest in us. So let's believe the best in them. Um, let's be real. As, as we are a church that's full of different people with different personality styles, with different learning types, with different backgrounds, when we try and do something as a, as a one, as a collective, we're going to make the odd mess. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be perfect from day dot. But let's be okay with that, and let's be up for cleaning our messes up. I mean, anyone who's come into a leadership position in Hope Church has freely admitted that they are open to feedback. So if something has hurt you, or you're feeling, I don't know, a bit disillusioned by something, or you don't agree with something, Talk to talk to them, <laughs> talk to our leaders because they they want to know that. I mean, the whole point is that the body of Christ is built up. Um, it's not about dominating over anybody, um, making people do stuff. It's 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 about us. So let's be people who communicate well and love well. I think it's it's really learning to trust. I suppose, isn't it? Um, it takes a lot of trust to be led. To be honest, um, but we we're blessed. We're blessed in this church to have have leaders who have been faithfully serving us and lovingly serving us for such a long time. And yeah, let's, let's, let's love them well. Um, there's a passage in James that says, not many of you should become teachers because ju- you will be judged more strictly. So this is, this is not a small thing that we're talking about here. And you know, I only read this after I'd agreed to do this this morning, <laughs> which would maybe be a mistake. <laughs> But just to clarify, what I'm doing this morning, I'm not teaching. We are just having a conversation. <laughs> no, more, no more judgment, please. Um, but it, this is a, a big thing that we've got, we've got going on here with our leaders. They take a lot of responsibility on. And, you know, the Bible even says that they're going to be judged more strictly. So let's try and make um, leadership a joy. <laughs> um, let it be a joy for us and a joy for them. And let's pray for our leaders. I mean, I'm talking to myself here as much as, as you here because, you know, a lot of things don't make it onto my daily prayer list, to be honest, and one of them is probably leaders. Um, so maybe this week, just as a challenge, let's pray for our leaders a few times this week. Um, just list, lift them up, um, pray for them that they would keep God at the center, that they would be blessed, that they would encounter him more um, because it's in our own interest, you know, selfishly. Let's pray for them because <laughs> it's for the blessing of the church. Okay, boom, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say this morning on leadership. So it's, it's fundamentally, primarily about Jesus, and it's about his beautiful bride. Um, it's about you guys being equipped to be amazing, to be the amazing people that you are. No one in this place is an appendix. <laughs> that's, that's my main message maybe this morning. Don't be an appendix. Um, and if you feel kind of like, you, you are, um, or that you're not valued in this place. And there's, there's going to be people at the back there who would love to pray with you and speak your value um, over you and just tell you what God thinks of you this morning. Um.